1: Assalam alaikum everybody. This is Saba Hassan and we are saying to everybody what Jumma Mubarak. Last Friday in Ramadan, it came and went so quickly, Uzma. So fast, so fast. Crazy. And you know, normally, you know me, I'm the hangry, you know, fasting mama, and yet I still f- didn't feel that way this year. I don't know about you. No. Well, I take that back. I did get hangry one time. I
0: posted a little video on my Instagram of what was driving me crazy, because um, obviously we're getting lots of packages mm-hmm. and there's a lot of bubble wrap. And I thought it would be a good idea to give the kids the bubble wrap. Don't do that when you're fasting.
1: No, let's not do that. <laughs> okay, let is not. So, so I, I'm getting a little bit of a glimpse about how your week has been going. So, do you want to tell me a little bit more? You know, I did not journal,
0: so I have not gotten to the bottom of the retail therapy. But I am like the retail therapy is coming to a close, and I think it was just getting ready for Ramadan and Eid and getting all the things that I needed um, for that. I have not bought anything for myself.
1: Oh girl, I filled we filled a to couple fix that. of carts.
0: <laughs> I already did so much. I, I bought stuff that I didn't need. I have filled the <laughs> carts, like I said last week and just not checked out. So that's good. Um, But uh, last night being an odd night, it felt really good. I kept going outside to check because I was like, is it still? What does it look like? And then like at dawn, I was like, oh, it looks like the sun has rays. I was like looking for shooting stars doing all the things um, and did not pay as much attention to my worship, because I was busy looking for the signs of little Toqadur, but I still had a really good night, and it it felt really productive. And, you know, I'm just excited that it's here, but like you said, it's bittersweet, and I'm sad Mm -hmm. that
1: it's already over. I don't know if I would be saying I'm sad, because, you know, I have a little bit of the mix (laughs) Backward, this concerns emotions. Emotions. I'm I'm kind of like that grumpy fasting Muslim person. When I'm done, right? It feels so cathartic and it's so amazing and I love it. But I feel like I always have a little bit of that apprehension during I don't know what I don't know. Before Ramadan, yes, you do. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like in, yeah. in it, but once I'm doing it, I'm like, oh, this is good. And and you feel good. And other than the sleep deprivation, which, you know, has always been, yeah. I need a lot more sleep than I think. Ozma doesn't sleep, guys. Just telling you now. <laughs> the girl does not sleep. And so I need that sleep and I, I miss it. I miss it. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know what to do about that. But right now this week, I'm definitely starting to do some of my ETH prep. I have to, it's hard to do when your kids are surrounding you. Yeah. At all times. And they have access to your Amazon cart. Okay. Oh no. Yeah. You have to change your password. I have to change my password. So, at, and actually what I've done, which I, I take, I'm taking pride. I did get a couple of things for Amazon just because I had to, but I'm trying to shop one locally which yeah. I feel like I did. And I'm trying to support Muslim women owned businesses to purchase a lot of my um, gifts for my nieces and nephews and my kids, because I feel like, you know, much we're in a state where we have everything. So then why not give them the, the gift of, you know, something that's a little bit more unique and not, and not necessarily something that is in every single store or right. what have you. So that's what I've been trying to do. So as a result of that, I will be spending my afternoon wrapping while my kids are at the park. So oh, fingers nice. crossed where that is concern. But so you know, happy for you. I, I'm happy for myself too. So can we talk about what is our soapbox for today? Because I am kind of stressed out about this one.
0: I am too, because as if Ramadan rolling in and rolling out so quickly wasn't stressful enough, we had another school shooting this week, this time in Idaho. This time the school shooter was a middle school aged girl who shot three people and injured them. Uh, One or two people might need surgery, but nobody died. And you know what's really, really sad? The first thing I thought was, oh, well, thank goodness it was a girl because girls don't kill people and boys always make sure they do. I'm a boy Mm. mom, so this is like a problem on multiple levels. Um, But President Biden has promised to end our epidemic of gun violence in this country, and he's got a six-point plan. So I thought I would share those six points with you guys today. So number one is to stop the proliferation of ghost guns, which means people who want access to assault weapons will just buy the parts separately and put them together. Um, That way there's no serial number on a gun to be traceable. Mm. So that's called a ghost gun. They want to get rid of that the national firearms act has jurisdiction over devices marketed as stabling braces so with a stabilizing brace what you can do is turn a pistol into a rifle um and so they're going to say that you can't use that anymore that was what was used in boulder this year for the mass shooting that happened Mm -hmm. there uh Number three is to implement red flag legislation for states, which means family or law enforcement that believes somebody um, is uh, at risk for harming themselves or harming other people uh, has a temporary bar in accessing firearms. Um, And so what President Biden is trying to do is incentivize states to pass these red flag laws um, and, and by incentivize, I mean, give them money. Uh, to pass these laws uh, in order to protect our public from getting guns into the hands of somebody who might potentially be in crisis. Uh, Number four is to invest in, oh, I'm so excited about this. I'm so excited about this. Invest in evidence-based community violence interventions, including research, to actually study what gun violence is doing, to get statistics, because the NRA has blocked this for so long, I almost said something inappropriate blocked just block this um and you know it's currently illegal to conduct such research in many states and so that is going to be lifted hopefully under the biden administration let's see um The administration is also proposing $5 billion over the next eight years to support community violence intervention programs, and that includes job training and job opportunities as well. And the Department of Health and Human Services is creating a toolkit to educate states regarding how to use Medicaid money, so state aid money, Um, towards funding these community violence intervention programs. So this is all really good. On top of that, President Biden has nominated Dave Chipman, who used to work for the Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms Administration, the ATF. Um, He's nominated him to be the chair. Uh, Dave Chipman has worked for the ATF for 25 years, and the Republicans hate him because he believes in common sense gun safety laws. So they are going to... uh, challenge this nomination. And FYI, the position of chair of the ATM, ATF, sorry, I'm thinking ATM because we were talking shopping. Uh, The chair of the ATF has been empty since 2015, guys. Nobody was there um, overseeing the state of our guns and the state of our gun violence Uh, in this nation. We were just letting it happen happen and sending thoughts and prayers. So here's hoping that the Biden administration will follow through on its six-point plan, which will be cited on our show uh, show notes for you to read more about later. That's our soapbox for today.
1: Thank you for educating us, Uzma, as you always do. Um, And let's hope and pray that something actually gets done, because let's be honest— Both sides talk a lot of talk, but I don't see that much action, whether you're Republican or Democrat. So we're just Mm going to put that out there and wish everybody, guess what, a Jumma Mubarak and a happy 25th (laughs) of Ramadan, everyone. This episode will actually probably drop on your podcast apps of choice on Eid al Fitr, um, which is the day of feast for us Muslims. So I want to say everybody Eid Mubarak to everyone in the our future selves. Inshallah, we can make it there. Um, with Inshallah. all this gun violence, we always get a little bit nervous, which is why I stay in my house, people. I stay in my house. Um, we pray for your holiday it is safe and blessed, um, and all your worship from now until then will be accepted, as we talked about earlier. Amin. Um, um, we ha- want to let you guys know a little bit about a couple of events. Coming up for Mother's Day. The first one is actually on Mother's Day, and it is our first recruitment event. You ready for this, lady? For the uh, ladies and gentlemen, for the American Muslim Women's Giving Circle Yay. we told you about last week? You get details on your big day to find out how you can mother the future generation of Muslim American children by leaving behind a philanthropic legacy. It is completely free. So p- bring your girlfriends, fellow nonprofit workers and volunteers, your fellow mom, sisters, and your women friends to live, to give, and give well in the way of Allah Taala. So it is definitely... Definitely something we have been kind of working on behind the scenes and something we were really passionate about here on mommy while well Muslim. Um, so we figure why not invite all of you to partake in this movement that we are planting the seeds for. So thank you guys so much and hope to see you guys there. This month's series is "Mommies in the masjid. As you guys know, we all have a love and hate relationship with our masjids um, or at least I do. Cause let's be honest. I see the benefit of the physical building in our lives, but it doesn't necessarily serve all families, including my own. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. I know my beautiful co-host, Uzma feels differently. um, And that this is one of our, the things we just have a very different opinion on this particular topic. Um, But we both agree that there are significant issues in the American masjids and arguably the masjids across the globe. But we're, have to note that not everybody is perfect, but we're only going to focus on the ones here in the United States. So we aren't asking for perfection, everybody. We're just asking for basic dignity and representation. Is that too much to ask for? So our guests for today are us. Yay! We haven't done, a, like, you know, uh, a, a couple... The two, just just two of us. Sorry, my brain starts to not work at this point of the day, but <laughs> welcome, Uzma, um, and I'm so excited to have you on the show.
0: Welcome, Seba. This is so exciting. I love it because we haven't had just a one-on-one in a really long time, and mm-hmm. like throughout the week, we're not recording unless it's for a purpose that's outside of Momming Mom One Muslim or we're planning, planning, mm-hmm. planning, planning, um, either philanthropic works, projects, Now a podcast conference that we've been um, we're going to speak at, so it's just a lot. Um, But going back to what you said earlier, you are absolutely right. I don't have a love-hate relationship with the masjid. I have a love-disappointment relationship. It's kind of like I found out my boyfriend cheats on me. That kind of love, you know, love-disappointment relationship. Um, And we can do better, you know. Mm -hmm. So I just think that we should you know, kick it off a little bit differently since it's just you and me. Mm -hmm. And there are several new listeners by the dozens to our podcast. So let's just do a brief introduction. Alhamdulillah, thank you everybody for being here. But we kick off our podcast by asking our guests what their mom story is and what their mom momming philosophy is.
1: So Zeba, why don't you share that with everybody today? Oh my God! You're putting me on the spot because I have. I, it's been a long time since I've introduced myself. My name oh, is. Oh, I said
0: "momming philosophy" because I'm used to it, but I mean your masjid history.
1: Oh, I mean <laughs> we did I was change like, it up what? a little bit. I thought we changed this up. Like you're you're making yeah me, we changed it up. I'm spot? just in that pattern, right? It, and <laughs> guess what? Guess what? She always makes me write the notes and read the notes, and I wrote the notes today, and she's throwing me for a loop with a, a random question. It. So no, 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> this is where like I get all stressed out. But anyways, my masjid story is a very complicated one, um, and one that I'm not a hundred percent open to talking about because we've talked about this. It was not necessarily a safe space for me growing up, and we're going to leave it at that. Which is, and I just can't talk about those types of things right now. But you know, unfortunately, Chicago masjids have a history of this particular thing. Look it up and you'll know what happened. Um, And unfortunately, our situation was always such that, you know, our parents trusted, trusted, dropped us off, picked us up, didn't quite figure it out. And quite frankly, wasn't necessarily the best um, experience, but that's okay. That's neither here nor there. Um, And I'm definitely learned and grown as a result of that, which is why when picking a mosque or a masjid for my own children... Was very very important for me because I wanted to be extremely involved in the vetting process, and I'll just leave it at that. Um, I wanted to be involved in the masjid because I wanted to be able to have you know my particular family's needs met as being you know multicultural. Um, you know, multi-religious in the sense that, you know, half my family is actually Christian. So speaking about, you know, negatively about any other religion or culture was not something that I uh, appreciated. Um, And I haven't had the best of luck coming here to the D.C. area. My first experience, I was so excited. We went to the downtown D.C. mosque. Beautiful, beautiful majd. okay. And the first day in Sunday school, they told my kids that any non-Muslim person is going to hell.
0: Oh, geez.
1: My oldest was four. (laughs) My number two was two. And they came crying to us afterwards, like does that mean grandma is going? Cause that's what they called my great grandmother at the time is going to hell. And I'm like, yeah, no, that was the first and last time I was there. We have an amazing um, mosque in this area. It's called the Adam center, but it was just too, too physically far for me to go take the kids and come back. And then as a result, I, you know, have a local small mosque um, that doesn't necessarily fit the needs of all of my children. Cause they are, you know, Uh, there's a bigger age gap. I do donate to them. I do like to support them financially because it is our local mosque. But I came up with the uh, conclusion after speaking to somebody that I met yesterday. And I'm unmasked. When I kind of described this scenario to her, she was like, oh, you're unmasked. And I'd never in my life heard of that term. So I was forced, and I say forced because I never leave my house to go to um this the Dianet Center in um the Maryland area. Beautiful, beautiful masjid that is uh, was donated by the Turkish, I think it was the Turkish embassy here as a gift to the states. It's like an old school mosque of what I envisioned mosques at the time of the prophet to be. It's open. Kids were playing. You heard laughter. You know, you kind of threw a picnic blanket up. People were sharing their food. Didn't even know who you were. And, you know, it was so beautiful. And when I walked in, I felt like, oh, wow, this could be this could be a place for me and my kids, except guess what? It's an hour away. (sighs) Yeah, Maryland. Mm -hmm. It's too far away, but I did love getting a glimpse into what could be, and that is what makes me feel extremely motivated here today to make it a reality, and I'm going to try to do that. But I know for you, Uzma, you have a very different story, so I want to hear what your mom and your Masjid story is.
0: Okay. Uh, I have four kids. Uh, They are almost 13, 11, 10, and 6. And unlike them, I did not grow up in a masjid. Um, The major Islamic society in my hometown was formed when I was about 4 or 5 years old. So, you know, we were meeting in houses. That's where weekend Islamic school was. And because of my parents, you know, other... uh, I don't know if I want to call them interests or responsibilities. I was never able to attend regularly and they, um, you know, they they just weren't big on it. For them, it was more, what are we gonna teach at the kitchen table? And so that's what they did. Um, I did not have uh, a relationship with the masjid until I was well into college. Uh, I came from a family that believed that women do not belong in the mosque, that the best place Mm. for her to pray is at home. So the three times I walked out of my house after arguing with the grownups there was to go volunteer at hospice, to go volunteer at a domestic violence shelter, and then to go pray at the masjid. So that I was being told by the adults in my life, like, don't do these things. Mm-hmm. Um, women are not supposed to do these things. Um, but I, I, I pursued it and I really loved it. And, you know, just being in the masjid was so different for me and so spiritual. And I was doing this whole process of relearning my religion and relearning my practice um, and doing it in the masjid felt really safe and it felt really good. But then once I became a mom, I knew, well, actually even before, I knew that I wanted my kids to grow up in the masjid because that was the exact opposite of the way that I grew up. Mm -hmm. And I wanted them to have that kind of spiritual experience that I had um, as an adult. Um, And, you know, once you are in that space, you start seeing as you get into, you know, not necessarily leadership because we know that that's not always possible, but in the periphery you start seeing, you know, The physical barriers inside the masjid. You start seeing waste and inefficiency and empty promises, a lot of lip service, um, poor leadership, and then very static leadership and spaces and you you can't do any of those things if you're a mother because we are our lives are constantly in flux our jobs are constantly in flux our roles are constantly in flux and if we have to roll with the punches to keep up with our kids and keep up with our society and everything else well the must needs to do that too
1: Amen or Amin, as we like to say. Like I, 100%, agree with you. And and it's so funny how we had you know two very different situations. Whereas like I grew up in the masjid, you did not, and I'm like running away from it. No, I'm not. I kind of <laughs> put, took took a step back um, because I, I I believe that it was supposed to be, and everything that I've read it was supposed to be a place of like a community place. It's mm-hmm. not just a place of worship where you just go and pray and you leave. It's, it's a place to have like dialogue and interaction and the kids are playing. And, you know, it, it's sad because I don't necessarily see that. Um, in some of in the places that I, maybe it is because I have been quote unquote unmasked for quite a while, to be honest with you. So I I'm in the process of trying to find a place now and and I'm willing to do that. But, you know, one of the things is, Like Every time I've gone in the last, let's say, decade, I've had such a negative experience that it really prohibits me to wanting to go back. And it's so bad, Uzma, that my older two, unfortunately, are in a situation where because they've also had bad experiences or they've seen somebody like mistreat me, they're just like, I don't want to be in a a situation where my mom is not allowed to come in the front door, you know, like, because our, 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 the way that I'm raising them is so different. And I feel like more true to, to the core of Islam, to be honest with you. So when they see me being pushed to the side or their sister pushed to the side, or if my four-year-old daughter is showing her, you know, ankle and then somebody is so focused on her two inches of baby skin that I can't hear the Qutbah, It's a problem. I'm sorry. And and, and I and I don't want it to be negative because I think, you know, you know me, I'm extremely spiritual. Like I love that Islam allows us the opportunity to have an internal individual relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we don't have to go to the mosque to have that. So that is the number one thing I want to say. But how great would it be if we could share that collective spiritual spirituality? with other people feeling the same way without you worrying about whether I'm a convert, whether, which true story, whether, um, even with my four kids and I'm by, if I'm, um, uh, available to be married, no, I'm not interested <sighs> in you. I'm married and have four kids and stop harassing me. Um, whether, you know, it's, it's just nonstop negativity that it kind of does cloud what I feel like the masjid is supposed to be. So I want a little bit of a glimpse of your idea of how we can start fixing some of those micro things, you know, so that we can start enjoying the mosque again. Um, And by the way, I use mosque and masjid and masajid, you know, interchangeably. So Uzma, could you... Explain to the audience what those words, because we're going to be, we interchange those words very frequently. Could you explain a little bit about what that is before you go into, you know, helping me out? Because I am stressed out about this.
0: Okay, well, relax. It's Ramadan. Like, give it to God, you know? We can do our job, and then the rest is Allah's job, okay? The majority of the hard stuff is his job, so... um Masjid is a place to actually put your face down on the ground because that's how Muslims pray. So, sajda is the root word to make sajda or to prostrate. So, it's a place to prostrate. Remember that the Moors ruled Spain, however, for many hundreds of years, and the Catholics did not particularly like them. So, they called them uh, mosques, Mm -hmm. uh, and my understanding is that it's derived from mosquito. Because Ooh. the Moors were considered bloodsuckers of the um, Iberian Peninsula and they did not the like them know, and everybody. eventually kicked them all. Kicked them all out. So mosque is actually not the preferred term for a Muslim Ooh. house of worship. It's masjid and
1: the plural is masajid. So first of all. I just learned something new, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for that. Every history time we get lesson. together, we learn something I new. No, and I love you for that. Um, and I will no longer use mosque. Like now I'm gonna go and say we need to write this up. Put those in our show notes as but much. See, unmask
0: as... sounds so much better than unmushed. How can you say unmushed?
1: Okay, fine. Well, we can come up with another term because we (laughs) obviously came up with the word mommying. Okay. Which now we see everybody, we're not going to, we're just making up words. Um, So we will come up with a word for that. But so, you know, tell me a little bit about like some of the issues that you, I know you love it. I know you look at it possibly with rose colored glasses. (laughs) Okay. But you know, you've got to tell me as a mama of four, I'm sure you've experienced some issues in the mosque. And can you, you know, maybe highlight a couple of them so that I don't feel so alone sitting up here talking all talking all negatively about the masajids?
0: <laughs> you are not alone. I guarantee, like every single woman, and if you're checking out our Instagram posts, we are mm-hmm. posting about issues in the masjid, and there are sadly so many women corroborating our experiences and I mean I guess we could label them positive or negative they're just disappointing in Mm -hmm. my opinion right and that leads to my my masjid is my boyfriend that's cheating on me disappointment kind of thing so what I have seen is no access for the elderly or the disabled like my masjid in particular does not have any ramps Um, Mm -hmm. the you have to walk through rocks and bushes to get to the side entrance, which is the women's entrance, which is off a very hidden dark road. And we have, you know, different kinds of people walking through that road and they could walk in there and attack one of our elders or attack one of our children because, you know, they're running around out there playing hide and seek. Um, But there's no easy way for our elders to get into the masjid. There's no easy way for anybody who's differently abled, certainly not a woman to get into the masjid that I remember having to help people with walkers in and out of the women's mm-hmm. side and it's a complete hazard and a complete liability for the masjid the women's side of the masjid considering the fact that Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala promised us that at near the end of days with time women will outnumber men four to one and on top of that you add all the children that we have And we are prolific baby carriers. Um, So there's a lot of kids and a lot of women in a very tiny space, usually a third to maybe a fourth of the space that the men get. And then we wonder why women and children aren't coming to the masjid. Mm -hmm. Um, It's awful. Uh, And then add to that. And I've seen this happen. I don't think it's happened to me. At least I can't remember an instance, but when you're talking about people coming and, you know, the two inches of skin,
1: mm-hmm. I see that
0: not only happening to children. I, I'm sorry. If a six-year-old is praying without her hijab on,
1: alhamdulillah, she's, she's praying. praying. She's exactly.
0: praying. exactly. Does she know what she's saying? She does not know what she's saying. She is copying her Some mama and her Some adults don't
1: know what they're saying, Uzma. Okay, so let's not judge. Let's I not judge. I did not know that. I didn't yes. know that. So if the child does not even know what she's saying, is it not
0: a moot point that her coverage doesn't matter? It's an exercise in education. Mm-hmm. The child is learning and obviously has learned something very important because she's mimicking it. She's trying to pray, and we're calling her out because, I oh, for law. You don't have a hijab. Where's the hijab? And what is the hijab? The hijab supply is stinky, nasty, never washed, used hijabs that people have donated and that went out of style 25 years ago. And um, probably
1: has lice. It
0: has lice. Don't put them oh, on your head. And now it's a pandemic. Take your own hijabs don't and your own masalas, guys, your, your own, your own exactly. yeah. They. I have seen them call out my friends because, oh, you're wearing nail polish. Just, sister, don't you know mm-hmm. it's haram to pray with your nail polish? Sister, don't you know it's haram to pray with pants? And my whole thing is, sister, don't you know it's haram for you to call people out like that in the middle of everybody, not even lovingly? almost harshly. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, so by mercy from Allah, O Muhammad, you were lenient with them. And if you had been rude in speech and harsh in heart, they would have disbanded from about you. I mean, we're all reading the Quran. This is the third chapter. Very early on, Allah's teaching us, you get more bees with honey than you do with vinegar. And all I've heard is vinegar towards other people. And no, I did get called out because I wore pants one time. To the masjid, mm-hmm. and I was supposed to be wearing a skirt, according to this particular person, um, and that's fine. We have to walk at our masjid through the men's section to get to the bathroom, to the women's bathroom, <laughs> which a lot of times during jummah the men were using because oh, yeah. we have priority. We have to pray, so we're going to use the women's mu- women's bathroom, which there's only one of. Again, no. um, noting that there's way more women and children that there are men in the masjid. AV, um, you they you put a physical partition between the men and the women. And then you expect the women to see the lectures, of the khutbas from the AV, but then the audiovisual audiovisual equipment doesn't work. You can't hear. And mm-hmm. you came all the way to the masjid. You took time off work. You picked up the kids early from school. You skipped their nap so that you come Jummah and you're sitting in a hot room with a thousand women and their children sweating and barfing and peeing all over you. And now you can't <laughs> even hear the khutbah. you know. Um, now so, you know
1: why I'm unmasked, Usman, now yes, you know. No. no, and this is this
0: is me <laughs> loving the space, loving the idea of the mm-hmm. space and showing up anyway, because this is the house of Allah and I want to be there. Yes. But when you're putting all of these landmines in the way, well, no wonder we stay away. And there were times, there were definitely the years when my kids were little and we were in the weeds that I could not go to the masjid and that hurt so bad. Mm-hmm. I would rather have been sitting in the middle of all these landmines put up inside of the masjid to keep women away you know besides the fact that your children my children think that the masjid is their second home so they're always running around and screaming and then which first of all as muslims we're not supposed to be making that sound yes and then secondly um why are you shushing the kids? Like that's how you know that the next generation is coming. Exactly. And if we're so harsh with them, why would they love to come back to the masjid? Mm-hmm. They're only gonna love it if people are kind and nice to them. Or they have a psychotic mom who's like, masjid You're is the are going law and you have to go there and it's so fun, and I'm bribing them with all kinds of candies and toys <laughs> and electronics. So they're gonna love the space. They associate electronics with the masjid. Oh no, um, as and mom. so they love it and they still alhamdulillah they're a lot older now and they still have that positive association with the masjid and i give myself kudos because my husband mm-hmm. and i worked really hard to create that despite what the community not the community but the leadership was doing no i would say even the community was doing the landmines weren't just set by one entity they were set by all of us
1: yeah and and that and i love your point when you say you know if we're discouraging the youth In whatever capacity, whether it's Mm -hmm. through, you know, making judgments or trying to teach them or correct them or tell them to shush while they're trying to enjoy, it really does prevent that next generation of American Mm -hmm. Muslims that we're trying to raise where are they going to go? And I right. feel like there's a huge influx right now with the whole, quote, quote unquote, concept of the virtual mosques, right, which I think is kind of this this next generation, um, which is an amazing thing. I'm all for it. But what you do is you lose that concept of community 100%. that comes from being in a group I do have to say as as unmasked or unmasaged as I am when I was there last night my first time going to a masjid in uh, I want to say a couple years a couple years I'm not going to lie about that and just sitting there and feeling you it's the feeling of community was so palpable and it was tangible and I loved that feeling and so much so that Going back there on Sunday and I'm taking my crew with me for Mother's Day because I was like, I want my kids to at least experience this. You know, having had that negative um, in that negative experience, I wanted them to feel you know, a glimpse of what it should or could be. So just sitting there and taking it in, I was like, you know, this is what I think it's supposed to be about. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be a concept of community because I can download a lecture, I can read a book, I can do that. And now with Zoom, I can I can go to buzz in Chicago while I'm praying in the DC area and mm-hmm. be perfectly fine, but you're still lacking that concept of community. So how mm-hmm. do we start fixing these issues? How do we start fixing the fact that we're getting peed on apparently in, in the mom, in the mom room? That has not happened to me yet. And I'm scared to do that again. But what can we start doing as Like you are my go-to person with activism and getting things started. What do we start doing to kind of rectify and fix this situation?
0: We do what we've been doing for generations now, and that is taking over the programming, which women have historically done. So they've done like the Islamic schools, they've done the weekend schools, they've done all the sales, and they've done the food sales, they've done the bake sales, they've done anything that's, you know, planning the iftars and the dinners and all of that. The women have handled all of that. Now, what did not come as a result of that was any kind of You know, there's probably appreciation, yeah, that comes from um, our male counterparts in the masjid. But I don't think thanks is enough. Mm -hmm. I think once you've put in the hours and you've put in the time and you've proven your commitment to the masjid and you've given up every single weekend to teach Islamic school just so that the Islamic school is well-established, by the time your kid is old enough to enroll, you should probably go a little bit above the rung of volunteer or person who organizes henna night or person who organizes the potluck. There's another level. How come men aren't organizing potlucks?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: How come men aren't in charge of the Friday food sales? Like why does it always have to be a sister? Because you want to give us something to do that doesn't require any higher level of decision making in the masjid because you know we're capable of that too. And now that we know that Um, I would say we use the power of the dollar. We've already taken over the programming and this last year, all of that has been suspended obviously because of the pandemic. So let's take advantage of it and realize we have purchasing power. We make donations to these masjids. And a couple of years ago when we had our masjid fundraiser, I told the, the board clear as day, I was like, you keep that partition up and don't let me see the speaker and the plans for this masjid, the architectural designs, You're not seeing my money. Um, And there's a lot of very financially independent women in our particular congregation. And I told all of them, do not give a penny if that partition stays up. Mm -hmm. And the partition is up because guess what? There's women who want the partition. Is that unbelievable? Yes, there's a contingency of men, but there's a larger contingency of women who want it, which you know, as you'll see in our post this month is not from the Sunnah. There was never a partition of the mm-hmm. Prophet's masjid. Um, and uh, I will say without giving too many details that one of the reasons why the women demanded it was we had some plumber butt situations happening in the men's rows. <laughs> <laughs> the women were like, our children are looking at these plumbers butts, put the wall up. And I'm like, okay, we'll tell the men to pull their pants up. Okay. We'll get them belts. Like, or, or take tell the them to wear, wear
1: better, like, stop wear, wear pants that fit you don't. suckers. Okay. Yeah. So we don't have yeah. to see it's any It's hot over that. here. So maybe
0: they're like melting <laughs> inches off their waist. So that makes me hate them even more. But um, that is one of the reasons why the partition went up. But okay, let's get over it. That was many, many years ago. Let's take it down. So what they did, they compromised that year and they moved it half. And so the women who didn't want to sit behind the partition would sit over here to see the presentation and the women who wanted the partition sat behind it and looked at the computer screen. We have two, only one was working at the time. So everybody was craning their necks and doing all kinds of acrobatics in order to do it. But when we are donating to these masjid we can decide that we're going to withhold our money we will not pay for this if you as a masjid will not create a better space for us better access and facilities for us will not allow us to sit in on the board meetings or be on the board meetings be actual board members it doesn't have to be me because i write a fat check or something It can be my sister, Mm -hmm. who maybe she can't write a check, but she belongs there because she has committed years and years of service to this masjid. And it's high time that she represent me
1: so that we can start
0: pushing our agenda items through her. And the only person who's going to be able to do that is somebody who looks like us, thinks like us, and lives like us. And that's another mom.
1: And understands what's going on. So because like we have a comment right now about somebody saying that they're craving going to the mosque, but because they have little ones, they're feeling a little bit like I can't go because you know I have to give them my phone to be quiet, and the sound irritates people. And then all of a sudden, somebody who's physically feels that need, you know, to go and 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 is craving that community can't go because they're discouraged by their younger children. Like do you have any thoughts? this is where my dry mouth starts coming. Do you have any thoughts about that Ozma?
0: Yeah. So as somebody who did not go to the masjid for probably two, two and a half years, I finally, by my third baby decided, I don't care. I'm not staying away from the masjid. And so I started going diapers, screaming babies, wandering babies, loud babies, babies with iPads. Okay. My daughter had an iPad before she could speak. Thank you, grandpa. Um, and, Uh, They were over there. And what we decided to do is in that very limited space that we had, we created, we had separate rooms. So I just pushed all the kids into one room and I said, okay, since my kids are the loudest and they, (laughs) I happen to have three all loud, I will watch (coughs) all these kids over here and I will pray my tarawi over here. I will pray my Jumma over here in the kids' room. So it was really loud for those of us who are pregnant or nursing or have tiny children, and we would end up shushing those kids that were in the room with us, um, but also making sure they were fed, making sure they were praying the required prayers if they were of age, Um, and then keeping an eye on our own children so they didn't do any damage to the actual building um, because, you know, God forbid, they run into the men's side to their father. A thousand men are going to be like, why well, are you over here? Send him over to the women's side because the baby's so loud. It's like, no. Remember the prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam could not get up from such that because his grandson sat on his head yeah and it slowed down the entire congregation, like their congregational prayer was halted, and somebody had to look up and see that he did not move because his beloved grandson sat on his head um and so there it, it's not even from our Sunnah to be harsh to the kids at the men's side, so I don't know where that tradition came from um I think it I think it's you know colonial traditions of harshness towards kids and- but but
1: I have this I have to to say one thing when you know, in the summers, we would go to my mom's the Christian sides Mm -hmm. uh, and I would spend the summer with my grandmother and she would take us to church with her. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, we had so much fun going to church with her because they had this concept of like, they had a nursery where if you were yes. under 10, you would go and like they were teaching us stuff. Yes, I got proselytized too. It's okay. Um, but I got to <laughs> write with chalkboard and all that, yes, and it turned out so okay. Fun. But I feel like they made it fun for the kids to go that that, that was at least right. um an option for moms to have the younger kids go in there; they were learning things, right? Because mm-hmm. they were teaching, um, but it was also more learning through play. Whereas, and then the the adults got to really focus on their acts of worship. On their worship, and, and I wonder. I mean, I haven't seen it in any of the masjids that I've been to recently, if that's an, a viable option, or if that's something that we can start trying, because I agree with you, I feel I personally don't want to go when my kids are on top of me and I can't hear and they're climbing, like I'm stressed out the entire time. I, it kind of defeats the purpose. So I'm that mom that would get discouraged. So I feel you sister, because I've been there and I'm like, if my kids are creating, I'm more worried about them making noise than I am about enjoying. So I think it would be an issue for me. So perhaps for those moms like myself, we can have an alternative and maybe if you are, if you have, a voice at the table. Like if you're a female, you're like, guess what? This is something we want to start so that our sisters that come here with younger children are not discouraged and they can actually participate in their acts of worship.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good idea. I think very few masajid have those organized systems of babysitting rooms. And then the you know the one uh limiting saying limiting factor is that oh well we have to pay the babysitters so i think we've done that too at our masjid we or started you can activities ha- you know family. have
1: the teenagers i know mine need hours of community yeah. service right so right. guess what that's what you're doing you put mm-hmm. you put in a sign up and be like whoever has teenagers you know that's national honor society junior honor society you need 50 to 100 hours per year yeah put in a cycle of they need to be busy anyway. And then they're yeah. teaching and interacting with the youth. And then they're becoming a role model for that, for that generation, because they see somebody close to their age. Guess what? We can get it done Yeah, and it's absolutely. free. Mm-hmm.
0: If we could only be so organized, I know. Sorry. Um, so besides the power of the dollar um, and not donating to spaces that don't make space for us, uh, what 2020 has shown us is that we can have Masala at home, a place to Mm -hmm. pray at home. And it's perfectly fine. And it's perfectly allowed. And in fact, for some of us, it's been perfectly better than the alternative. What we thought was, oh my gosh, how will we, how will we live without the masjid? And it turns out we will thrive without the masjid. So my concern is coming out of this pandemic, how many masjid are still relevant probably only those that are true community centers that have those services available for their community that the masjid was always supposed to have. But for those that didn't, I just see them kind of being eclipsed by the bigger centers, which is probably a good thing because in some cases there's uh, Masajid that are within five miles of each other in some of the bigger cities, which is absolutely dumb because you've already diluted resources. And so we know you're not using them effectively and you're not being good stewards of the money. So let's just, again, I, I think it comes down to the power of the dollar. Let's only focus on those houses of worship that are focused on us, on the community. Um, I think we have the power of the mic, which is to talk about it, um, with or without a mic, just to speak about it, um, as we're doing. So whether you talk about it or hear about it here at Momming While Muslim, or whether you start getting vocal in your own communities, I think those are the top three ways that we can start affecting change in our masjid spaces and make them safer for ourselves.
1: I agree. So what about
0: you? Are you being inspired to consider any
1: fixes? I'm pausing only because I can't build another mosque. Right now, I think my hands are full with the giving circle. Your piggy bank is empty right now too. You know, and my (laughs) so I'm just a little bit a lot of gifts. I just bought Eid gifts. I just am donating. Um, No, I I definitely am inspired, but but this is the truth of it too, right? Like I can't be complaining unless I want to be a part of the solution. And you know, and that and that's what the truth of it is. I I hear myself complaining. I acknowledge it. I'm being a brat about it, but I'm also not in a situation where I can physically do the work that's needed to change my particular local organization. And, and, I, and I, and I, and I acknowledge that it's likely that way for a lot of different people and I respect that. So in the meantime, like you said, the beauty of Islam is that we can kind of worship on our own and maybe participate in more community based events so that my kids can be around other muslim people and when i have a little bit more time and energy inshallah in a couple of years that is my intention i'm throwing it out here to the universe that i will do more um to to actually make those changes because you have inspired me today Ah, oh,
0: i'm glad to hear it So we usually do your rapid fire segment with the guests. You want to do it with each other? Oh my God. I'm so
1: excited. Especially because in the docs, you wrote a word down and I am going to say it, but I fully admit I don't even know what the heck it is. Oh, okay. Good.
0: So I'm going to ask you this one. So number one is member, which is the pulpit. That's what the imam stands on to get the hookah on Friday.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, (laughs) I have to say, you know. My best, um my best kutbas have been given to me, given to me by my brother,
0: oh, so my wow. baby
1: brother, who goes and he does um speak, and and it just energizes me and excites me, and quite frankly, this is a long answer. Is I love my desi uncles. I love you, but I can't understand what you're saying. <laughs> so can we please let the next generation go? Okay, yes. so I'm going to the t- ask you, give them the okay. member, nail polish as I have my 786 on right now. Auntie criticism. Oh, heck yes. Heck yeah, yes. right? All right, you ready? Yes.
0: Mustard board.
1: I don't have the time to go on those boards now, but I will support any of my female sisters that want to go on it. Perfect. Okay, we all know this. The auntie. The auntie with the wagging finger. Go.
0: <laughs> well, I've been one of those aunt- wagging I, finger aunties now. I can now. totally see her wagging
1: her finger, ladies, as she's I'm done it to me too. a couple times. She's like, uh-uh, yes. don't do yeah. that. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's me now. But um, growing up, it was the aunties yelling at us to be quiet, you know, in between. Because, you know,
1: not everybody's going to read all 20
0: rakas at Tarawi And the girl's going to be talking when you're in high school, right? Because, you yes. know, sometimes you're going to Tarawi for the cute guys, too. Sorry. Oh, heck yes. Truth. Yeah, remember those true. days. Yeah, I true.
1: still remember the one guy that I liked. Oh my god, that's so terrible! I can't even believe what? I'm saying this out loud. Oh my yeah, god, I, I like one never boy. Did. I know, just one. Oh, see, look, now it came back
0: to you. It came right, back you ready? to me. Yes. Okay, so your last word is Quran.
1: I feel so guilty talking about a cute boy at the Majda, and Then you're going to give me the last word Quran, but um, so it honestly it has been a guiding force, and I know I'm like a blue, like I I'm blue in the face when I talk about. God comes in so many ways, and every time I've had an issue, every single time, I will open up the Quran, and no joke, right right away, the ayah, the stanza, the page is there that helps clarify whatever it is that I'm thinking, every single time, every single time. Um, Masjid Ward. Useless. Oh, heck yes. I love that we're ending it on the useless because we're going to take it over. But Uzma, can you want to wrap it up for us today? Thank you for being part of the rapid fire.
0: Yeah, this is fun. I like participating in it. I'm so jealous of the guests now that get to do it. So um, this is our May series, Mommies in the Masjid. And we've talked about some of our experiences. And we know that, you know, we talked a lot of, yes, I'll say it, negative talk. Mm -hmm. overwhelmingly, I still love the masjid. Oh, my love for it is greater than my disappointment in it. Even though my masjid has been cheating on me and not been faithful to me, I will be faithful to it. And part of what we're doing this um, month is not just talking about it, but actually talking to women on the inside, in leadership positions, uh, women who have spoken about some of these discrepancies and inequities that are happening to women in the masjid, children in the masjid, um, and they're going to troubleshoot with and for us. So please stay tuned for our episodes this month. We are super duper excited and a happy early mother's day to everybody. We hope to see you on Sunday. And then again on Tuesday, when we do our Ramadan and Eid story with Hey Mama, both are free live events. So we do hope that you guys register on our, it's on our Instagram bio, but we'll put up the links on our Facebook page and group too. So y'all can sign up and that's a wrap.
1: Ameen.
0: as alaikum, everybody. Thanks again for joining Zeba and Uzma and While
1: Muslim today. Please email us your thoughts or questions and follow us on Facebook and Instagram because this podcast was designed to cater your needs. Make sure you check out the
0: show notes to find the links and resources for this episode. And remember to help a mama out and leave a review of the show as well as to like it on your podcast app of choice because that helps us grow. Tune in next week for another
1: episode of Mommy While Muslim. as alaikum, everyone. Thank you.